Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by Culture at NL Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Culture NL Libraries podcast for the love of books. My name is Chris Wilson and I'm the e-services librarian for Culture NL. I am super excited about today's episode for the, of the podcast, which is the first episode of season three. Can you believe we've reached season three already? And today I'm going to be bringing you an interview that I did with a YouTuber called SJ Strum. Now SJ is uh, probably most fam- famous for her baby name videos um, on YouTube. She does baby name Mondays every Monday and kind of gives lists of for people who are maybe looking for a, parent, uh, a new baby name for one that's on the way. Um, and she also does lots of parenting videos as well. And just before Christmas, she did a video which was all about can great book gift ideas for Christmas. And so we saw that and thought we'll reach out and kind of ask her to be part of the podcast and let her kind of talk about um, some parenting books and things like that that she loves. Um, also some kind of kids books that, that she loves doing with using with her kids. Um, and also just what she's been reading recently as well. So. I had the chance to meet up with her online and have that little chat earlier this week, and we'll bring that to you now. So, hi, Eshi. Thank you for being part of our podcast. It's fantastic to have you here. Thank you for joining us tonight and and doing this for us. Um, It's lovely to have you um, on our podcast tonight. Um, And um, I thought maybe um, I'm, I obviously I'm a kind of fan of your YouTube channel, um, being a subscriber and things like that. But just in case anyone doesn't quite know what you're, you're sort of mainly about and things like that, do you want to kind of give, tell us a little bit more about uh, what it is you, that you do and a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, so I'm a YouTuber. Um, I'm also a member of three. And YouTube for me was something that I started when I went on maternity leave with my third baby as a way to kind of talk to other parents and connect to them. And it started off as me really sharing things that I was going through. And I think because it was the third baby, I was in that position where I could offload issues. Like this is so hard, but also I'd been through it before. So I was also trying to offer a bit of actually... I know this will pass. This is what I did last time. This is what to let go. So it kind of was a kind of a voice of experience, but also somebody looking for, you know, it's lonely sometimes and not all your best friends with babies live in your same town and all of that stuff. So it was a really lovely thing for me to do. And then one day I uploaded, I think I was pregnant actually with my daughter and I uploaded a name video about a list of names I liked. I've always been fascinated by names. I've always been a big reader and I always loved names of characters, names of books, you know, like I always was hearing these stories and I've always felt that names in a book, you know, if you were a writer, they really bring to life somebody's style or personality and it was something that I've always been really fascinated by. Um, I did an English literature degree with philosophy and um, I loved Shakespearean names and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I updated the one babe name video and it was the best video that had the most views <laughs> on my channel. So I thought, okay, I'll do another. And I did quite a few and then I turned it into a series. Quite early on in my channel, I started to do baby name Mondays. Terrible name, <laughs> the least creative name, but it's become the big highlight of my channel. And over the last, I guess it's three years now, it escalated to, I've become like a real baby name expert I guess so if there's a new 
story in the press. Like if the royals are having a baby, I'll get called up by the BBC. What do you think it's going to be? What do you think of the name? Or if a celebrity has a baby, I've written articles for the New York Times, for Oprah magazine. And it's just become something that people are always fascinated by names, what their own name means, or what they're going to name a baby. And it's actually really what I figured out, you know, when I've ever asked, do you have any issues around names or names you want to pick? It does cause a lot of conversation, let's say. I was going to say drama or tension, but a lot of conversation between couples um, as well. So it's nice to have a sounding board with somebody else. And that's kind of what I offer through my YouTube channel, inspiration, ideas. And we've just got an amazing community now. I've got over 100,000 on YouTube and just recorded my own podcast, my own baby name podcast, um, which will be coming out. And just become a real highlight of my week to be able to connect with other parents as they're going through the start of parenthood in a way. Yeah, and I mean, as um, you know, we've kind of, I've told you before that my wife is pregnant with her second baby, which is one of the reasons why we came across your channel and, and been watching yeah. the baby name Mondays and things like that. And it, it is something that is it, it's a big decision for for people whenever they're at that point. And and it, and like you say, trying to get people to even like a couple to agree on a name is it's very very difficult. And so so having that kind of extra resource out there <laughs> that I've suggested is quite quite good. And you can kind of so can put up the ones that you can kind of don't really think about all the time. Yeah, and it's kind of a modern way of connecting. I think video. Um, you know, books are amazing and I love nothing more than like my dream day as a child was my mum would take me to a bigger town. I'm from Swindon and she would take me to like Cheltenham or Bath and we would go to like a big bookstore um, and have a cup of tea and a coffee and I would spend hours picking my books um, and you know, going to the library. I remember my library card so well. I was like such an avid reader and I think that sometimes it's just you get these ideas in your own head until you've actually spoken to somebody else about your idea if you're a creative person names are quite creative and they say something about you and they mean something to your family your heritage where you're from your beliefs and that's why I like doing my baby name list and themes rather than a to z so most baby name books are a to z mm. and I don't feel like that's how I ever picked a name I wasn't like I want a name that begins with b mm. <laughs> I just wanted to find a name so I themed mine more around nature names vintage names modern names harry potter names it's one of the most yeah. popular ones and then you can kind of get to a name that more that you love more because it means something in your heart a little bit yeah yeah um and as you touched on there that about your channel um there's there's a big section on that about parenting and things like that as well um and I know that you'd said that you wanted to maybe mention a few books about parenting that you thought were very useful so do you want to mention a few specific books about that you might find as kind of interesting for other parents out there yeah I mean I turned to books immediately as soon as I was pregnant because I'm a real reader and I read a few mum autobiographies my favorite one I'm not sure it's even in print anymore was Jules Oliver Jamie Oliver's wife she Mm -hmm. wrote a memoir of her pregnancy and I read it cover to cover and it prepared me so much when I had the baby she'd gone to everything through weaning and how she did it and it was so useful to me and then I came across I wanted to kind of have I knew I had a very strong style of parenting in a way and I wanted to have techniques up my sleeve and Gentle parenting is this discipline around 
um, not relying on reward, not relying on punishment and really raising a child in a respectful way in the home from right from when they're newborn. So I read this book, um, which is called The Baby Whisperer by, I think she was a nanny called Tracy Hogg. And it's quite an old book now, but you can still buy it. Um, she did The Baby Whisperer. And in that book, it sort of told you that all babies are very different. You, know, you might have a spirited baby, you might have a, um, a grumpy baby even. And it was a very individual personalized parenting book. So you could go on there and it even has a quiz at the beginning that you can write down, my baby's like this, my baby's like that, my baby's like that. And then she would give you a technique for bedtimes. If you've got a spirited baby, this is how they'll be. Or if you've got a textbook baby who does things on their milestones, this is how to react. And it really got me into this idea of, I really responded to it because it was seeing your baby from the outset, even from a tiny newborn as an individual with their own personality and responding rather than controlling. And it really spoke to me. So it kind of started me on my whole gentle parenting thing. And then since then, as my children have got older, books by like Sarah Ockwell-Smith. So I've got one here, which is Toddler Calm. Um, she is a British um, woman, actually, who writes a lot about um, gentle parenting and all about this gentle approach. As she put them in, happy to enjoy your toddler, to understand the limitations of things like sticker charts and time out. And those things never sat with me mm. in a strange way. I just wasn't somebody who wanted my child to feel that they had stickers and they had to achieve something or a sticker got taken away. And I was a very sensitive child <laughs> and I wanted to raise my children in her style. So she really is a great author to look into, Sarah Ockwell-Smith. Um, but another book that I really loved as my children got older was How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Mm. Uh, have you come across this one? No, I haven't. No, no. <clears throat> I love it. How old your oldest? He, he is just turned four um, in December, so um, he's he's um, getting pro probably to the spirited point in in life, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's probably the same age as because she was four in December, and this book is um, quite an old one, but the daughter of the parents, they were two psychologists, child psychologists who wrote this book and it gives you, it's very practical. So it literally is, the chapters are like um, alternatives to punishment. You can go in there and be like, this is how my child's behaving, I need a technique. <laughs> but there's also a podcast, which is how to talk so little kids will listen and listen so little kids will talk, which is more for the younger spectrum. Yeah. Um, straight away, things like, these techniques that they have so one was like make it true in fantasies if your child's like I want chocolate for breakfast <laughs> or something that's the one that sprung to mind then you go I would love chocolate for breakfast how about we imagine if we lived in a chocolate house with a chocolate castle and everyone just ate chocolate all day and you sort of go along with it and so they feel like their need is kind of met just by your kind of enthusiasm you don't say no nobody has that then you say but we're gonna then you just have your normal breakfast and it's a lot about psychology I never studied psychology, but um, it gives you these techniques. And as soon as I started to try them, I got such great results. And then my new big book is um, The Five Love Languages of Children. And this is, um, again, American, Gary Chapman and Ross Campbell. And it's been quite a huge thing. And when you start to read love languages, it basically says that all of us 
sometimes you can be the greatest parent and you're pouring in all this what you feel is love in the way that maybe you would want love but you're still feeling a disconnect and they're still not responding back to you in that way and it's because they might have a different love language so for example my eldest and they have five different love languages words of affirmation acts of service receiving gifts quality time or physical touch and we all need all of them but say my middle child he's huge on physical touch so in the mornings it's lots of cuddles ruffling his hair stroking his back skin to skin time even though he's a bit older yeah that makes him feel loved whereas my eldest for him that's just like whatever so, <laughs> so he wants me to say can I help you um you know he wants me to make him a little bit of toast when he's least expecting it and those will be the things that for him mean love and I found that really interesting because me and my husband are opposites and yeah. I'm of affirmation so probably why I do YouTube because you get a lot of feedback and I like to talk and I like to hear and um so I like to be told you know things like you know thank you for making me dinner like tiny would mean a lot to me whereas to him that would mean less um so it's really interesting you start to understand how relationships work and how your children are different and it allows you to kind of parent in a more um understanding way when you get yeah. to those tough moments so those are my three kind of favorites right now yeah that's that definitely sounds like an interesting one in particular the last one and actually um this week it's kind Kind of links in, but but not uh, sort of totally. This week is actually um, languages Scotland week, which so which is supposed to be more about kind of traditional languages, I suppose. But it's interesting to kind of kind of we'll, we'll have this out and and, and, and during that. And you can do the quiz online. So you, I did the quiz to find my own love language, but you can do it as a couple, so you can yeah. understand like why is it that like. <laughs> like I like make her breakfast in bed or run her a bath and she's not interested or buy her presents and it might be that she's not gifts you know it's not doesn't mean enough to her whereas it might be that um act of service like actually I'm making dinner or I'm taking jobs off your hand might suddenly be the key yeah. so it's a bit of a it's a it's an interesting one to do the quiz and the kids quiz is interesting um but I just I've really enjoyed it and I'm getting into this sort of, it feels like a bit of a secret community of people who enjoy gentle parenting and positive discipline, but I'm hoping that it's getting a bit more mainstream than strict routines. You know, you need to have boundaries for sure, with three particularly. They need to follow the same schedule. I need them in bed (laughs) by (laughs) 7.30. But you might adjust your parenting style too make them feel that you're doing it in a loving way a little bit yeah it's if uh, it's, um, I mean I haven't watched some of your videos and things like that about it um, I, I, uh, I do I do actually find myself trying to kind of do some of the things that, that you mentioned and things like that and and it, and it is it's, it's it's a different way of thinking maybe from that you kind of sort of instantly think to do but it, but it does kind of have a it does make sense whenever you kind of listen to yourself explaining it and things like that. And obviously, if you're reading the books about it and things like that, it does kind of make make sense in your head when you think, I can understand how this works. People think like, people are like, you're so calm, you know, you do it naturally. I'm like, I don't do it naturally. It's not, like, I am a calm person. I'm quietly spoken and stuff, but I have to practice it. Like, I, the, whenever I do a video, if it's like about bedtime affirmations, it's because I'm having a nightmare with sleep. Or if it's about toddler tantrums, it's because I've had tantrums for three weeks. Like, it's <laughs> when it's 
be going wrong in my house that I'm trying these techniques. It's not because it's perfect here. Like if you come to my house, it will be messy. There'll be kids crying. There'll be kids fighting and all sorts of stuff. It's because I'm trying to battle it in a way that I want a really good relationship with my kids when they're older. Like I want to future-proof my relationship. And I feel like a lot of us is, you know, is sometimes it's retraining your mind a bit to be like, actually, um, maybe the way I was brought up, not that I was brought up badly at all, but it's just kind of training yourself to kind of go, you know, those things would have meant a lot to me and I'll give it out. But um, it does come across slightly hippie-ish, but it's not because it comes naturally, it's because I love it and I want to do that. Try yeah. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I was watching, I think it was actually the last video where you, you, where you mentioned that, you, that you're going to have a lot of chat about sleep and, and things like that over the next while. <laughs> and it made me think, I wonder if you, I wonder if, you, if, if reading is something that you that you use as a kind of sleeping tool, because uh, I know I know a lot of people do kind of reuse kind of reading as a relaxation tool and kind of before bed to kind of relax our minds and things like that. So I wonder if that was something that you'd maybe kind of use in that, in that way as well. So lucky that actually my husband loves reading as well. So we both go to bed and read. We're not people who like scroll our phones in bed. And we've got a TV in our bedroom, but we don't watch TV in bed before bed or anything. The TV's there more for like, it used to be there for the kids in the morning. So we could be like get an extra half an hour with a bit of something on telly, but um, they don't really watch it. We would definitely go out and read. And he's a big, big, big reader. Like if we go on holiday before kids, when holidays were holidays now they're just um trips <laughs> with children but we used to take like five or six books each and we've got very different styles but book we both loved a series we both loved is the strike books have you read those the more and strike yeah i haven't i know i haven't read them but uh, but i know i know of them yeah we both yeah. loved those a lot um so we sometimes swap books um and funnily enough we have the same favorite book ever which yeah. i always we always get annoyed. I get annoyed about because I'm like, I'm sure that I told you about this book. And he's like, <laughs> there's a book called The Magus by John Fowles, who also wrote, I think he wrote like the French Lieutenant's Women and quite a lot of those classics. And there's a book called The Magus and it's set on this Greek island. And this teacher, actually, have you read it? No, I haven't, no. no. Uh, it's, it's so weird. It's quite a long book, but it's a teacher, a young guy. I think he's from London. Maybe he's from Clapham, where we lived for a while. He goes over to teach on this Greek island and he gets caught up in this really weird, it's almost like eyes wide shut, like it's this weird secret society and it's a real kind of like page turner. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, he always says it's his favourite idea, it's mine, but then <laughs> I would read more, um, I guess like, um, I would read more stories about people and he would read, he reads all sorts. He'll read factual books. He just read, is it like Homo sapiens all about the history of humankind? He read that for months. Um, and then he will have a lighter book, like a treat, like a crime book. And then he'll go back to a serious book. And we both have that balance where we'll read like something factual and intense. Then we'll have a little break and read something a bit easier. But both of us will read before bed and um, the sad thing about that is that I feel like our kids don't see us ever reading and I feel like yeah. they don't understand that mummy and daddy love reading because that's what happens when they're in bed. So I've tried to, but I remember, which isn't often, when I'm sat down with them and they're being quiet or whatever, pick up a book rather than just pick up my phone. Yeah. They see me on my phone for relaxation, which is what I do during the day. They won't understand that actually 
mummy loved reading. When I was a kid, I was always in my bedroom reading. Um, that was kind of my thing. And watching TV was my thing. But um, so I'm trying to read in front of them a bit more and show them that it is such a great way. But I don't have, the kids aren't massive readers yet. Yeah. Um, of their own books. Freddie likes wimpy kid books and stuff like that. But um, they're not bookworms. Like I was just, yeah. But there's so much more, isn't there? Like when we were younger, I didn't have an iPad or a... Yeah. Uh, well, it was one of the things whenever um, whenever we had um, our, for, our first child um, that I, I was like I was super excited about thinking I'm going to be able to buy him lots of kids books and read books to him and things like that sort of stuff. And at first, it it just wasn't interested at all. Like it, it was a, it was the one thing that would definitely start off from just having a, a an absolute scream scream fest if you can try to sit him down and hold the book in front of him. Glad to say that that's a bit different now, and they enjoy his kind of like kind of we do sort of bed uh, bedtime books and things like that with him now, um, yeah. which he which he doesn't enjoy a lot now. But it was, it was one of my sort of like kind of big kind of heartbreaking moments, if you like, whenever I, I try to kind of get a set of down read because because like obviously being a librarian reading is quite important to me, <laughs> and I was looking forward to it, but. Me. Like I remember when they used to bring the library bus to school. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. And they would bring the bus once like a year or something. It was like the highlight of my year. My sister wasn't a reader at all. Um, but I had my library card. I used to play librarian all the time, doing my stamps. And I used to get the same book out every single time. And it's such a great way. Like when I became a mum, I was exactly the same. And it was such a nice thing to rediscover books like the tiger who came for tea and okay. to reread those again and then nowadays what i find about you know you can go into a library and it's all quiet but then you go to the kids section the illustrations and the stories are so beautiful you just feel like you're missing out as grown-ups you know like how yeah. you know the multimedia stuff that they do like you know the, the textures of the pictures and I used to work in advertising and whenever we did a brief for a kid's brand, we would say, don't forget what kids have, which is this whole world that's so beautifully presented to them. And then you do an advert for a kid and it's quite boring. You need to get into their worlds and bring it to life. And the moral stories now, like I can read the kids' books that um, teach them things. And um, yeah, it's a really special thing with children. We've got so many books. <laughs> yeah and that, that actually that that's one of, that's one of my favorite things actually about whenever um we we had put new books in the library is actually seeing the new kind of picture books coming through because like you say it, a, a lot of adults miss that and because either they don't have kids or or it's just a kind of thing they, they never really kind of pay attention to and and some of them are like you say the artwork in them is is, is beautiful and some of the some of the kind of story they may only be kind of like twenty pages long or whatever, but like the the stories can be really quite meaningful and and filled with emotion and, and just so in that, in that short of twenty pages. I've got this one book and it's called it's a really strange book. It's called The Chimpanzee of Happy Town. I can't remember who wrote it now, um, and it's about this chip this chimpanzee called Chutney, and he's a traveller and he goes back home and he realizes. Drabsville, the USA, where he lives. And he's been traveling, so he's seen the world. And when he comes back, he realizes that 
everyone who lives in this town hasn't explored as much as him and he tries to bring this hope and positivity to the town and it's just such a nice book and at the end it says you know and he has all these struggles like it's a tiny child's book and at the end it says you know um things will always blossom if you dare to set them free and I used to come home from work sometimes and read that book always was my favorite never got bored of reading it because I felt like my life was kind of tough you know like I was a full-time working mum until recently had two kids at home I traveled with work a lot and I always felt like there was I needed to set myself a little bit free and that I could blossom a bit like it just really spoke to me um so often the kids are probably like mum's crying about this book <laughs> but um they do have um you know you can lose yourself in those stories and they're written so well and to be able to write for kids I think everyone feels that like they've got kids booking them don't they everyone yeah. likes to be, I can write one yeah but I'm, I'm pretty sure it must be more difficult than, than everyone seems to think on that front though for, for definite <laughs> well maybe we can maybe expand on that a little bit I was, going to, I was going to ask you a little bit about some of your family favorites anyway um in our household um definitely some of my favorite kids books um are by the authors Rachel Bright um Oliver Jeffers and Kez Gray and with them Rachel Bright does ones like The Lion Inside um, and and things like that, and they've always got lovely little meanings in it inside in them. There's also um, one, uh, the Worrysaurus, which is a kind of lovely little story about a, a, a little dinosaur who kind of has some worries and kind of uh, kind of as as the story goes on, that they, they they kind of get a little kind of ways how to deal with that and things like that kind of stuff. The Oliver Jeffers ones I just love because the illustrations in them. He's a he's a kind of artist, and his illustrations are beautiful. Um, and the Kes Grey ones, in particular, the, the kind of oi frog ones are hilarious because just because they're funny. <laughs> just, I just love them for that. Yeah. Um, what is there anyone in particular that, that your kids love and, and that you kind of love reading to them um, uh, for like bedtime and things like that? Yeah, I've got well, lots and lots of classics. Um, but there's one that I've discovered just recently. I think it's a new author. She's called, I'm just looking up, she's called Kim Hillyard. And she wrote one book called Mabel in the Mountain. And it's a story about believing in yourself. And it's this um, little, I think Mabel is, is again. Mabel is like a little fly. And she has this ambition that she wants to climb a mountain. And everyone's like, no, 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 Mabel, you can't do that. That's not what we do. And she wants to swim with sharks. She wants to like do all these things. And then the story kind of follows little Mabel as she kind of tries to achieve her dreams and what's lovely in the middle and again it speaks to me a bit because doing social media in a way you know there's all these sort of and it says like somebody got there faster somebody got there better than you or somebody did you know this amazing thing and then she starts to lose a bit of belief in herself and she's like actually I won't climb a mountain I'll just climb this little hill around the corner and in the end obviously she has a word of herself and she manages to climb the mountain and she goes back home and then she realizes that her, all her friends have changed their beliefs and her friends are like actually I'm going to write my book and I'm going to do that and it kind of speaks to you in a way of keep it's a bit like I guess I never know what that book is you know never giving up and I read it to the kids and they pretty much can recite it back to me now and they really like it and she just brought out her brand new one which I read to the kids tonight which is about a little hamster um, called Ned and we've just got a hamster <laughs> lockdown <laughs> hamster um, and I'm just trying to see if I can find the name of it 
um, it's, I think it's called Ned and the Great Garden Race, and it's a book about kindness. So this little hamster, he's really ambitious and he wants to go off by himself and win this race, but he's rushing off. And on the way he passes like this little slug he's lost and somebody he's stuck in a hole and somebody who's hungry, but he doesn't stop. Um, and then he gets into trouble on his race. And rather than try to finish the race, he thinks, actually, I'm going to go back and I'm going to help people. And he goes back on the race, helps all the others. Um, and it's just, again, like a really beautiful story about um, kindness. And I feel like, you know, I don't end up having to have those conversations with the kids because I think he goes into their subconscious job to be like, be like Ned today, be like Mabel. Mm-hmm. They just kind of get it. And, you know, I don't remember my picture books so much, apart from like, the tiger who came to tea and all those ones. But I love the idea that stories for the children these days are written in a way that, you know, you can read books about diversity, you can read books that about people doing things differently and the children's section and even things like CBBs, you know, there's so much great conversations <laughs> to be had with children about things. Like I've had conversations with the kids in lockdown about like Black Lives Matter and you can do it all through books and mm. it's such um, a welcoming world. And I love the fact that we're changing the conversations with kids through books in that way. And those two are really lovely ones. They're by um, Kim Hillyard. I would really recommend them. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll probably look the ones up, I think, later on to, to look at them as well. Um, and moving on a little bit from, from kids a little bit, what, what about yourself? What have you been reading recently? Have you had anything that you've kind of get stuck into recently? Yeah, I've been all right with reading. Like, as I was saying recently on YouTube, like Sleep For Me at the end of last year, was particularly bad like I was finding myself really waking up in the night a lot of worries on our shoulders particularly as parents because you almost I don't know particularly as parents but you push down your worries so much during the day then you go to bed and you're like actually life isn't okay um and reading has helped me a lot so fiction books I've read um I read a lot of um fiction but I and I've really got into the kind of dark side so you and I are both reading Pine recently mm-hmm. which I haven't finished <laughs> but I liked it I absolutely loved Melmoth by Sarah Perry have you read this one I know no I haven't read that one but, I, but I, I think that was one of the ones you mentioned in your your video um just before Christmas I'm sure but it is a bit of one of those I feel like do you ever feel like a book is like a holiday romance they read it when we were on holiday and I was <laughs> And it's set in Prague. And what I loved about it was Melmoth is this, I think it's a real um, character from history that she's kind of brought out. She also wrote The Essex Serpent, which is set in Colchester, which I'm um, currently reading. And I think that was also a real thing. So Melmoth is this fictional woman who is condemned to walk the earth forever and to get guilty people to come and join her, to hold her hand. So she'll appear and she'll say, come walk with me and hold my hands. And it's about guilt in a way. Right, yeah. And how we all have guilt and parent guilt, whatever. Not about that, but <laughs> um, but what I loved about it was just it was it was a good combination of kind of like Prague in kind of the cobblestone. She brought that to life really, really well. And it almost felt like a Victorian horror book that was very easy and accessible. And um, she sort of brings the reader into it. So I can't spoil the ending, but there's a bit at the end where you're just kind of like, 
oh my god like if she's kind of chilled but I did read it um on the beach <laughs> so I loved it <laughs> and then at the moment then what I do is I do tend to flick between something easy and then something that challenges me a little bit more um so I'm reading a book called Untamed which is written by and it's an autobiography so apparently it's the number one New York Times best-selling author she's called Glennon Doyle and it's called Untamed and it's Stop Pleasing Start Living and I feel like for me it was kind of like a good time of my life where as a mum you give a lot you're just giving out you know pleasing other people rather than putting not putting yourself first but putting yourself on the list as well mm-hmm. as other people and everyone was like this is the book this is the book and I was like oh I'm not gonna like it because it's gonna be like self-help and annoying but um it's brilliant read before bed and it's helping me sleep so much better so it's very short chapters and each of them are called the one's called like talks one's called um boys and she talks about how she's raised her boy then one's called girls how she's raised her girl um and she's an interesting person so I think she wrote her first book was um a religious book where she was very Christian and she wrote a book about marriage like Christian marriage and how to I guess be a great um, Christian wife role model and then she was on tour selling that book and on this book tour she had an unbelievable thing happen to her where she fell in love at first sight with a woman and she just was like and she says at the beginning it's like she says as soon as she saw this woman she was like there she is and she realized that she wasn't actually happy but while she was on her book tour selling this other story of herself she was like had to sort of unpick her life and go back a bit and so it's untamed so it's about not being it's about being who you were before the world told you who to be and you know that's like nothing like my life like at all like I'm not um religious really but what she does do is sort of say to you things like the world should be full of living your authentic life no matter what other people kind of think and other people try to put on you and it's but that sounds like cheesy but it's really not it's very interesting and there's stuff in every single chapter that I'm like like that I get something out of even if I disagree with her sometimes I'm still like oh I'm not sure about that but it's a challenging interesting conversation in your own mind and it'd be a great book club one an amazing I've actually set up a book club to talk just about this bit with my friends and we always read it um just to have the chat because I think it asks you questions about yourself in a way that probably at this point of lockdown and um you know being a parent is kind of interesting to me because I'm at the point now I guess where I thought you know my daughter's four I thought I'd have three kids in kind of almost full-time childcare, and I'm getting to that stage I guess and now I'm like what's left of my own life after giving the last three years to being a full-time mum which has been amazing so I'm kind of at that point where I'm kind of trying to say to myself yeah you know what what are you before the label of mum mm-hmm. um so I'm kind of enjoying it it's making me a bit braver in my choices <laughs> yeah that's it sounds like a good book to to get to have uh been reading at this point in, in point your life as well to kind of yeah, I think a lot of people might relate to bits of it yeah yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Now, um, just before Christmas, you did release a, a little video on YouTube, kind of suggesting gifts for for people for Christmas. 
Now, I although this year was different, I did get a couple of book gifts for yeah. from Santa this year. Normally, yeah. though, it's 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 not something that I get very often as a gift off of people, even though they all know that I'm a big book fan. Which so I'm always a bit kind of all find that a, a bit strange. But I just like to wonder. Obviously, you you had kind of a few ideas for gifts for, for people. Did Santa leave any gifts for you in a kind of bookish sense this year, the last year now, I suppose? Um, no. No? Santa <laughs> doesn't come to me anymore, you know, maybe I'm on the naughty list. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't get anything from Santa. Um, but I did I did buy myself some books. Um, oh, sorry, it's my dishwasher making a loud beat. But I did buy myself some books. Um, so I bought Pine because I was really interested to continue my melmoth gothic past because i <laughs> i don't know why like i can't watch anything scary on tv but <laughs> I, can read, I can read a scary book and still sleep fine are you like that or are you um i guess i'm actually a little bit i mean i'm, I'm not a big massive horror fan in terms of uh, in, in terms of no. films and things like that but like yeah. like things like the kind of uh, I know it's probably not the most scariest book in the, the world, but the, but things like pain don't, don't really kind of bother me too much. You know, they kind of so so yeah. I suppose actually, can I, I probably can kind of read more sort of gruesome and scary things than than, than watch on TV. I think it's because I don't like jumping. I don't like when they start playing that really scary music. But I just kind of turn it off. And, yeah. um, Maybe you can play it down a little bit in your own mind, so it's not quite as scary. <laughs> I can't remember being like terrified of a book and I can kind of, you know, you get so into the characters and, you know, you get more, you know, I can't go to sleep now, I've got to read another chapter, that's how I get more excited, whereas if I'm watching a scary TV show or film, I'm just like, no, forget it. Um, So I got that one and I got Pine, which we talked about, which I haven't got into yet, but it said, what do you think of it? Because it said on the cover that it was more gothic, Dark, but then some people are saying it's not really. So I haven't got far enough into it. Um, I I can tell where people think it is the kind of sort of dark story. I mean, it, there is and there's a kind of hint of um, a hint of supernatural to it a, a little yeah. um, as as it goes on. Um, I think it's one of those ones that um, while I was reading it, um, I kind of felt as if it did take a while to kind of get going. Um, but but the kind of the sort of ending is 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 quite good and it really did hook me in. So uh, so as was it was worth it worth kind of sticking with. Yeah, I definitely if it would stick with it if, if I were you. Um it's worth it. Anyway. And then I got um I don't know if I've read which ones I've read, and I got one called Rules for Visiting, which I'm quite excited to read. Haven't started it yet. Um I have to Google the author, but it's about a woman who is in her 40s. And what I thought was it'd be quite a good lockdown read because we've all been kind of disconnected from our friends for so long. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's about lockdown, but she decides that she's quite lonely. Um, and she thinks, actually, I've had these great friends in my life in the past, but you fall out of connection with them. Like maybe they were like school friends or uni friends, and you know, you you get more, you live further away life takes over so she goes to visit I think four of her three or four of her old friends and you get to go along on each visit with her and each one of them kind of brings out something about her or her life and it kind of uh, I feel like that would be a really interesting read for me because 
of the fact that you know soon hopefully March the 8th exactly <laughs> on that day <laughs> and my life will be back um, we'll all kind of get to you know simple we'll be going back out again and there's friends of mine best friends that I haven't seen family you know you haven't seen in so long yeah. um, and will we be all slightly changed and will we kind of you know what were those old friendships mean and I've thought a lot about old friends as well you know and you think oh pick up the phone again because we're all kind of in the same boat which is very unique like when I was lonely as a mum it was kind of like well my friends lives are kind of not in that space whereas now I can be like how are you really and everyone's got something to say so I'm interested to read that but I haven't started yet so I bought myself a bunch of books and I read a lot over Christmas I did I relaxed and picked up lots and lots of books um and it always is a nice start to the year. And I used to be part of a book club. We did try a couple of virtual book club sessions, but book club for us was always very much about lots and lots of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so we mostly read wine labels, and um, but hopefully it will be something I do again. Fantastic. Um, well, I, I thought we'd round off um, our little chat with, uh, I can't have SJ Strom on our podcast without mentioning Baby Name Mondays, um, as you mentioned earlier on. It's it's the, the kind of thing that, that, that attracted me to your channel and things like that, um, because obviously, as I say, my wife and I are having another child just now. Um, so I thought, uh, do you have any kind of literary sort of themed names that, that you would suggest for any kind of book lover out there who may be um, having a, a lockdown baby in the near future and lots of reading it's so fascinating because I feel like we all get our name inspiration nowadays more from Netflix like I see like all the names like Peaky Blinders names massive and even names like Santiago is going massive I don't know if you watched the heist in lockdown but all the city names and it really goes into the back of our minds, like Maven Otis from like Sex Education. The names too, everyone thinks it's original, and everyone's like, "Oh no, everyone else." Is <laughs> and then you go back to childhood and the books we read that really meant something to us. And I think there's so many of us are such huge Harry Potter fans. Um, mm. Luna is obviously the standout name from Harry Potter, really. Um, yeah. Harry's always been popular. Ron's never managed it quite yet. Um, <laughs> But you know, today I was talking about um, the name Diggory on my channel. Whenever I mention a name, if it's got some really slight, obscure Harry Potter reference, somebody will be like, remember in like Harry Potter? Um, <laughs> I'm always aware of all the Harry Potter fans. And I did a name list on Harry Potter, but I made it a bit more like the characteristics of the um, houses and stuff. And I think if you loved a book, um, like I love the name Enid, like Enid Blyton was something huge for me um, yeah. and Bronte actually is becoming a more popular name after the Bronte sisters um, things like that and then you get the sort of romantic names like Heathcliff and all of that kind of thing and Shakespeare names what's interesting about the Shakespeare names is becoming a bit more um, like Ophelia which I'm a bit surprised about because she was always a bit of a tragic heroine um, but we're seeing that name really go up. And I feel like Cordelia could maybe be on hot on her heels. Um, so literary names, I think when it's a name that people absolutely have loved. So I know that Ed Sheeran recently had his daughter and he called her Lyra and said it was because he loved um, the Philip Pullman. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. um, so he chose a name 
um, based on his favourite childhood books. I think that when you are picking a name, sometimes it is worth going back and remembering. Like I always loved um, The Borrowers. Yeah. What was she called? Ariette. I'm going to forget now. I um, loved The Borrowers. That was like my dream to be like mini and like <laughs> run around and like, <laughs> asked if I could sleep in a matchbox um that's how, how old I am but um so I think that there's lots of literary names and they'll never go out of style you know um Dante is booming again so we're going kind of a bit braver with them um but yeah how are you finding naming your second yeah so um we we're we're um Finding it difficult, I would say. So um, it's one of those things we kind of we kind of want to kind of find the name that you just kind of think that's it, it's that, and and you know, and and we're we're not quite we're not quite there yet. We've got a few a few kind of um, I, I've got a few that I quite like. My wife's kind of struggling a little bit with with the uh, ones that, that she, I think she's kind of more kind of hoping to have that that one name that really means something to her, um, and she's not quite quite there just yet but um we'll get there in the end and we'll get there i'm sure <laughs> people like i feel like i think when you're going through everything you go through in a pregnancy both parents and grandparents there's a lot of things and the name becomes almost like this sort of like symbol and you can get really stuck on it and you can get really doubtful of yourself and um, I was like, I always had my sister was like, no, you love this name, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. And she always kind of convinced me. And then, you know, you've got a baby already. Sometimes when the baby's born, you're just kind of like, actually, I don't need to love the name because I will love the baby so much. <laughs> it's not like, I feel it's almost like people expect to be struck by lightning by a name. And occasionally that happens. And I've been lucky with my daughter's name. I heard it. Um, in a family conversation over in Sweden and I was like Evelina and I was like I've never had a name and I loved it and I was just like oh my god and then she is Evelina um years later maybe six years later but before then I was really like you know me and Henrik could not agree at all on names so I feel like it's sometimes having that long list feels like a pressure but the pressure is actually the pregnancy and the waiting and all the other issues that go on. And so going in with a long list and taking your time better than picking something and being so steadfast on it that mm. you end up regretting it. Um, so yeah, I feel like keep your long list <laughs> and take the pressure off it a little bit, but keep watching the videos because there's so many great ideas. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I think I, I think that's all my questions that I, that I have for you for tonight. So I'd just like to thank you again, SJ, for agreeing to do it. Um, for any listeners out there who haven't discovered Baby Name Monday or the parenting videos, um, if you go to YouTube and um, search for SJ Strum, you will find SJ's channel. And do drop her a, a little subscribe and watch the, the videos. Um, and you're also on Instagram and Pinterest, is that right as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's all, it's all happening. Um, Pinterest, there's like three or five new names a day with meanings and statistics, and it's all just it's all really good fun. But um, Pinterest is a great place to be because you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and keep pinning and get as many ideas as you can. But you have to tell me what you pick in the end, then. Yeah, no, no, we will, we will do. We'll let you know. We'll set it out. Yeah. But, um, 
thank you for for coming and speaking to us and um and um good good luck with the future and we'll definitely we'll definitely let you know what we pick in the end for the name as yeah, well yeah. <laughs> yeah, send him my love will you i will do i will do thank you So there you have it guys, thank you very much for listening and thank you very much to SJ as well for coming along and chatting with me the other night and helping us bring this episode to you. Um, If you haven't subscribed to SJ already and it's something you think you might be interested in, do drop a little subscribe on YouTube by searching for SJ Strum and drop and kind of watching out for our content on there. It's definitely interesting and very much kind of worth the follow to kind of have a look and see what is there. From a library point of view, um, we are still closed, unfortunately, um, but our e-services are still active as always. And you can download the BorrowBox app and access ebooks and e-audiobooks 24-7 through there. And all you need to do is sign in using your library card number and your library password. If you don't know your library password, you can request it by going to www.culturenl.co.uk slash password request and filling out the form there and one of our staff will get back to you with your password as soon as we possibly can. Um, on top of that, the, uh, we're soon coming up to our Love Life, Love Libraries period where we would normally have events in our libraries but obviously we can't at the moment. So we are taking it online and from the 8th to the 14th of February, which is Valentine's Day, we will have a whole host of well health and well-being events happening online um for you to get involved in in some way all that all the details for that is on our website as well so if you go to www.culturenail.co.uk slash love life you'll find out all the events are happening over the next week and we hope you enjoy that as well and there will be also a special podcast specifically for love life as well happening too so do watch out for that. But that's all for us for the now, guys. If you have enjoyed this podcast, do leave us some feedback either by using the hashtag FLB Podcast or by going dropping us an email to librarypodcast at culturenail.co.uk. But we will be back very soon with more episodes, so do watch out for that. And that's all for us for now, guys. Bye-bye.